The text for last week was the whole book of Genesis. And if you weren't here, I would recommend that you get online and that you listen to that. Not as a way of promoting my sermon, but as a way of promoting this most basic of books in the, in the Old Testament and in the Bible. Uh, if you don't grasp Genesis, you're missing building blocks for all of the rest of Scripture and its message. Today, we look to the book of Exodus, and like last week, uh, I obviously cannot read the entire book, but on page 50, you will find the beginning of the book of Exodus, and I will read uh, something of the first part of Exodus to introduce us to the context. Exodus chapter 1, hear the word of the Lord. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were seventy persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. And all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt with them with the, well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. Let's pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Let's see. Where were we when we left off last week? That's right. We were standing around a coffin in Egypt because Joseph had just died. And yet, at the same time, we were hearing Joseph's last words, weren't we? He was saying, when the Lord visits you, 
don't forget to take what? My bones. Don't forget to take my bones up from here and carry them with you when the Lord visits you. This second book, Exodus, do you know what the first word in Exodus is? It's not in here, but in Hebrew, the first word in Exodus is and. And. A funny way to start a story, isn't it? But it's not the beginning of a story. It is meant to be the continuation of the story that we began to hear last week, which ended with a coffin in Egypt, but a reminder of a promise that God would visit His people. Now, we would expect that the visitation would take place in the next book. But I need to warn you that things got much worse for the people of Israel who became called, became known as Hebrews. It got much worse for them before it got better. You see, a new pharaoh had arisen in Egypt, and he didn't know about Joseph. And he didn't know how Joseph had saved all of the, the Egyptians from famine and from starvation. And the 70 who had gone down to Egypt began to multiply. And they were strong people and they began to, to cause the Egyptians to be fearful. And so the Egyptians began dealing ruthlessly with them, uh, step by step oppressing them and, and practicing andricide, the killing off of the males. First of all, telling the Hebrew midwives to kill the males, they refused. And then telling all of them to kill all of the Hebrew males by throwing them into the Nile. And at the beginning of chapter 2, we find that a male child was born. What was the law? He had to be thrown into the Nile. But his parents feared God. They were from the tribe of Levi. And they did eventually put him in the Nile, but they kept him for three months against the law. And when they could no longer keep this child under wraps without being found out, they made a basket, uh, made this basket uh, waterproof, and put it in the Nile, even as Pharaoh had commanded all the boys to be put in the Nile. But he was in a little basket that floated. And as things would happen... The daughter of Pharaoh was going down to the Nile with her attendants, and she found this basket floating in the Nile River, called for it to be brought to her and found out that it was one of the Hebrews. And she saw that this was a beautiful baby boy and had compassion on this boy. And, by the way, the older sister of uh, this little boy had been following the basket along to see what would happen. And so when she saw Pharaoh's daughter retrieve the basket, she said, excuse me, ma'am, would you like me to find a wet nurse for you? And she said, yes, please, go find a wet nurse and I will pay her. So the little girl went and found whom? Mama found Moses' mother and she was actually paid to nurse her own son. But eventually she had to take the son and give the son back to Pharaoh's daughter And she adopted the little boy. And she called him Drawn Out. That's the name she gave him. Drawn Out. Why? Because that's where she got him. She had drawn him out of the Nile River. Now, when this little boy uh, grew up to be a man, we know him as Moses, Drawn Out. He grew up to be a man and he was 40 years old. Uh, 40 years old. 
Uh, he had lived as an Egyptian. He had lived as the son of the daughter of Pharaoh for 40 years. But he knew he wasn't an Egyptian. And he went to go visit his native people. And he saw an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew. And he took vengeance upon that Egyptian. And he struck him down and he killed him and he buried him in the sand. And then the next day he was going to go and visit his people once again. And he found two Hebrews fighting with each other. And he said, brothers, you're, you shouldn't be fighting your brothers. And they pushed him away and they said, who do you think you are? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And he was afraid because it had become known what he had done and it became known to Pharaoh and Pharaoh wanted to take his life. So he fled into the desert. A failure. He had to leave as an exile, a fugitive from justice. And in the desert, he settled down, found a wife, had kids, and took up work as a shepherd with his father-in-law for 40 more years. You would think that a man like this would just disappear, never being mentioned in the annals of history, a murderer, and then an exile, a fugitive of justice. But when he was 80 years old, he was minding his own business, tending the flocks, and he saw a strange, strange sight in the wilderness. He saw a bush that was on fire. That's not a strange sight. Bushes burn up, trees burn up. He saw a bush, but there was something about this bush. This bush was burning, but it was never consumed. Somehow it just kept burning on its own. And so, curious, he went to look at this bush, and God spoke to him out of the bush. And he said, take off your sandals. This is holy ground on which you're standing. And then out of the bush, this burning bush, God called him and said, I'm appointing you to go back to Egypt, back to release my people. Now it's time. The groaning of my people has come up before it. Before me, now it's time for me to go visit them. Now it's time for me to go rescue them, and you're the one who's going to do it. Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, he identified himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But he also identified himself with a a strange name. And it, it... something of the name and the bush, they explain each other. Uh, Fire doesn't exist in and of itself, does it? It needs fuel, it needs oxygen, but this was a fire that could exist by itself without ever being consumed. And Moses said, excuse me, but, but what shall I say? How shall I identify you? When I go to Pharaoh and I say, God says, let my people go, what's your name? And if the people ask me, what's your name? What shall I tell them? He said, this is what you should tell them. Tell them that I am sent you. I am the one who exists like that fire that exists by itself and doesn't ever get consumed, that doesn't depend on anything or anyone to exist. Like that fire, he says, I am the one who exists. I am the one who is. That's who's sending you. And so, Moses now 80 years old, goes back to Pharaoh, and he says to Pharaoh, if you can imagine, he goes to Pharaoh with the help of his brother Aaron and says, King, I am the God of the Hebrews. Your slaves says you're to let them all go. 
Guess what Pharaoh said. Any ideas? Of course not. Of course not. Who would do that? This 80-year-old man with his brother come in, this God whom he doesn't know, this God of slaves comes in and says, let them all go. And he says, of course not. But he did have a response. Um, He said, if you're going to be like that, I'm going to make it worse for them. And so Pharaoh oppressed them more and more and more and made it worse for them so that they turned against Moses and turned against Aaron. Now, before he went back to Egypt, he, uh, he had a staff, as a shepherd would, as an 80-year-old man might, and God said, with this staff, you're going to do miracles in Egypt. And so he said, Pharaoh will not let them go. God already knew this. He will not let them go. But what you are going to do there is you are going to take this staff and you are going to perform a series of miracles, a series of signs, a series of plagues in Egypt so that he will eventually let the people go. And so what happened was God sent ten plagues, ten punishments on the people of Egypt. And the first one was turning water into blood. All the water of Egypt turned into blood. But the text says after each one of these plagues, but Pharaoh's heart was hard and he didn't let them go. The second plague, he sent a a, a swarm of frogs all over the land. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And guess what? He didn't let them go. And then he sent swarms of gnats on the land. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And what happened? He didn't let them go. And then he sent a swarm of flies. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And what happened? He didn't let them go. Then he killed their livestock. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And guess what? He didn't let them go. And then he sent them boils on their bodies, painful boils. But but Pharaoh's heart was hard. And what happened? He didn't let them go. And then he sent hail on the Egyptians and destroyed their, their crops. And, and hit their animals and their homes. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And what happened? He didn't let them go. And then he sent swarms of locusts on the land to finish off what the hail had left. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And what? He didn't let them go. And then he sent darkness all over Egypt. So they couldn't even see their hand in front of their face. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. And what happened? But there was one more plague. And this last plague, Jews remember it to this day. Because this last plague prepared the way for the defining moment for the people of God. That they remember to this day and that they celebrate yearly. This last plague was an affliction on all the firstborn of Egypt. God told the Israelites, each family should take a lamb and should should sacrifice that lamb and should take the blood of that lamb and and should put it on the the doorposts of, of, of each home. And in that night, that fateful night, the angel of death would would pass through the land of Egypt and he would strike every firstborn of every family of the Egyptians from the household of Pharaoh down to the lowliest slave. But the angel of death would see the blood on the doorpost of the Israelite Hebrew homes, and he would do what? He would pass 
over that home and not bring judgment upon it. Remember this day in the Passover. And that night, the angel of death did just what God said he would do. And in the morning, do you know what Pharaoh did? Finally, he finally let the people go. And as they left, they made sure that they took something with them. What was it? Joseph's bones. Because God had finally visited His people and fulfilled that promise about which Joseph knew some 400 years before. They took his bones with him. But, Pharaoh changed his mind very quickly. And he heard that they were pinned up against the sea. That's not the best idea if you're trying to escape, to to run up against the sea. But that's what these Hebrews did. They, They ran up against the sea. And Pharaoh knew that they were against the sea. And so he pinned them in against the sea. And this is when that same staff, using it in Moses' hand, God divided the waters of the sea. The Israelites walked over as on dry land. And then the the Egyptians tried to follow them, but when they did, the waters closed upon them and they were drowned. And so the people were brought out of the land of Egypt. But, do you know, when you leave Egypt and head east, you are in the desert, and that's where they were, and they went and camped at a place called Sinai. It's a mountain. And at the foot of Sinai, God said, He wanted Moses to come up and he was going to give the people laws so that they would know how to live. And he gave them a summary of how to live and then he gave them many, many other laws that would govern how they would function as a nation, as a political entity. But he gave them in particular ten laws that would would teach them how to live. And these are the ten laws. Number one, don't have any other gods except the Lord. I am. Don't use images of God in worship. Uh, Don't use the name of the Lord in a frivolous or profane way. Remember the Sabbath day of rest. Honor your father and your mother. Don't uh, commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't desire what belongs to other people. A summary of God's desire for His people. His commands, His laws. Um, And then Moses received this. Actually, he received two stone tablets. And it says that God's the one who wrote on these tablets. And on these tablets, we had this summary of God's will for them. And then he came down, and the people were waiting, and he was coming down to bring this law to tell the people how to live. And what did he find? Moses had kind of taken a long time up there. And they said, we don't know what happened to Moses. And they said, we really need a God. And so they went to his brother Aaron and said, Aaron, we need a God. And so Aaron went along with it. And they made a God, a golden calf. And when Moses came down with God's own law to tell them how to live, they were out of control calling this golden calf their God. Well, God said, enough is enough. And He said, Moses, get away from these people. I'm going to destroy them. Just like He had done in Egypt. He said, now I'm going to do the same with these. 
And I'm going to start again with you. We've already seen this, haven't we? In Genesis, we saw this. We saw he started with Adam, but then he wiped things clean. He started with Noah, and then he started again with Abraham. Maybe he was going to do it again, and he said to Moses, get away from them. I'm going to destroy this people, and start over with you. And Moses had quite an intimate relationship with God. And Moses said, God, if you do that, your reputation is on the line. Because the Egyptians will hear about it, and they'll say, You didn't bring the people up because you couldn't do it. And Moses said, forgive these people. And if you don't forgive these people, I offer my own life for them. You may blot me out of your book in place of these people. But God did not accept the life of Moses in atonement for the sins of the people. But he did say, I can't get close to these people if this is how they are. I can't go up with them. And Moses said, God, if you don't go with us, there's no use in going. If you don't go with us, we will be just like every other people on the the planet. If you don't go with us, there's no sense in taking one more step. And so God said, Build a tent. Build a tent. And I will appoint representatives and I will meet with the people, but they need to be careful because I know how they are. They need to be careful and not get too close. But I will appoint some representatives and those representatives will come in and meet with me. These are the priests. And I will go with you, but I will set up how you will approach me and how close you can get to me. Well, this is the last section, the tabernacle. This is what's described in the last six chapters of this book of Exodus, the construction of the tabernacle. The people contributed generously to its construction and they built it piece by piece according to God's command. And what we have at the end of the book, the final chapter, that they they built the tabernacle, they built the tent, And God went to dwell in it. God filled it with the cloud of His glory. And He was with His people. So what do we have in Exodus? We have Exodus as a record of that visit that Joseph had talked about. God had finally visited His people. And He had brought them out. Saving them from slavery. Saving them from Egypt. But even as we saw last week in Genesis we see in Exodus that this isn't the end of the story. In fact, it's really only the beginning. Exodus is just an anticipation of a later visitation that would be greater and grander and definitive. You see, what we see in Exodus is that God rescues His people by the sacrifice of a lamb. And the blood of the lamb causes death to pass over them. But we don't see the real import of that until... Jesus Christ comes. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the what? The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We all see, also see that God's law is good and right and just and pure. And we see that we, just like the Israelites, are incapable of fulfilling it. And so he sent one, a man, who would obey it perfectly. 
We see that God didn't accept Moses' offer of his life in place of the people. But there was another who came, Jesus Christ, and offered his life in place of the people. And God accepted that perfect life. And we also see that the tabernacle was actually just a makeshift way for God to dwell among his people. Because there had to be something more permanent. And that more permanent thing was the temple. But you know what happened to the temple? The temple was destroyed not once, but twice, but three times, and now no longer exists. The tabernacle's passed. The temple's passed. Because the permanent dwelling of God was not yet. The permanent of God, dwelling of God was not going to be in, in mortar and brick and stone. The permanent dwelling of God was going to be as one of us. And the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh, it tells us, and pitched His tent, made His tabernacle among us. Joseph said, When God visits you, don't forget my bones. And God visited the people in Exodus, but He has visited us in a more definitive way. The Lamb of God, who finally takes away the sins of those who trust in Him. The obedient one who has finally fulfilled the law in our place. That perfect life that could be offered to God in our place and bring us the forgiveness that we need. And that tabernacle, that temple, that dwelling of God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Hallelujah. He has finally visited His people. Let's pray. Our God, we thank You for the visitation that Joseph expected and that finally came some 400 years later. But now we see that that wasn't even the definitive visitation, that we are the ones who are witnesses of the, the final visitation that You have given your, your people until that day when You come again with the, the very last one, when Christ comes again. But we thank You for Christ, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the perfect man who fulfilled Your law, the the one who could offer His perfect life in our place and the one who pitched His tent among us as one of us. And we pray, O God, that having been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that You would conform our lives more and more to what You declared to Your people and it still stands for us, that we might live in a way that would glorify You and glorify the Son whom You have given us. And we pray this in His name. Amen.